Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So it is 10 p.m. UK time, 11 p.m. Paris time, and Stefano Sitsipas and John Isner are locked at a set apiece and four games to three on serve in the third set. Isner took the first set, Sitsipas fought back and took the second, and it has been nip and tuck all the way. We're assuming we'll get the third set result in as we record. If if we feel that there's need for an emergency addendum to this podcast, then you'll hear one. If we judge that it's not required, i.e. sits pass wins, uh, then you won't hear one. So a little bit of jeopardy for you at the end of this podcast. This we were just discussing as uh, we led up to recording this, the ordeal that it is for sits pass to face John Isner. What a what a rite of passage it feels for him en route to this expected Grand Slam final. And perhaps this is just kind of a shot to nothing kind of match. Can't take much from it. Can't learn much from it. Just got to somehow find a way through it and get to the other side whilst having, by the looks of it, zero fun whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of the experience. He will take no pleasure out of the actual tennis that he's having to play because his nerd is intent on making that experience like that with shortened points, huge serves, sudden returns. There are returns that are coming back at Sitsipas before he's virtually not finished the the service motion. He, the ball is back at him, and it's very difficult to get any rhythm. And actually, I think Sitsipas has handled it to this point, as we're watching, very well. Um, and I do, I do think he would take, if he if he gets through this, great heart, because this is the sort of player he hates to play. But you're right, as an as a as a an experience. Ugh. <laughs> I love that phrase, right of passage. I was having a look, and Federer, Nadal, and Murray have all beaten Isner to reach a Grand Slam final. It's one of those tests in men's tennis that has been over the last decade that you've got to pass, and particularly so for Sitsipas because we know the struggles he's had against big servers in the past. It's it's really fascinating. I thought Isner executed his strategy to perfection in the first set. He was what reta- was his strategy? Big well, serves. <laughs> I know there was more to it than that, but also. That was a big part of it. (laughs) I think there's a finite amount of time that Isner's got where he can go big on return and rally with these players. We saw it in Madrid. He did it to team. Mm. And then gradually he faded as that match went on and it became more about protecting his own serve and being dangerous that way. That's, to me, what is happening here. Sitsipas is now getting through his service games much more easily than he was in the first set when Isner was really threatening him. But it's it's fascinating, and especially so, actually, that it's behind closed doors. I've, I've adjusted so quickly now to crowds. Mm. I'm kind of forgetting how intense these matches oh, are. It's wonderful, this bit, actually. I mean, as much as I love having the crowds, they have ramped up the, the on-court microphone. Mm. You think here. it's wonderful? I, I mean, oh, I there are it. moments when I think it's wonderful, like... When I realised Sitsipas can hear vividly everything his father is saying and would clearly rather not be hearing everything his father is saying and turns around and says, shut up. I assume that's what he's saying in Greek. 
that sort of the the I, I hear you with the intensity of it, but there is also something really eerie and apocalyptic. That's what I love about, about it. it. Right, it's the awkwardness <laughs> that I like. It's um, look, I would rather have a full house going crazy at these points. No, no question about it. But give me this, and I, I know I was somebody who, when we started all this, was asking for fake crowd noise because of of the comfort that it would give us during the middle of a pandemic when things were so grim. Um, and I remember Mary Carrillo came on our show and said, no, I want you to give it to me straight. I want to have the experience of what it is really like out there. And she was right. I think now, looking back, this is superior, and particularly because of the eeriness, because there isn't music playing. It's just so raw. And and for Sitsapas, particularly in this experience where he's playing – a nightmare of an opponent for him. And you're seeing him try to just G himself up and stay in the, the moment because if, if he lets his guard down for a second, it could all go crashing down. And we know what sort of draw he's got. Suddenly he's in half of the draw without Nadal, Federer and Djokovic. And this is the one we're all saying he's going to reach the final. Now he has got good, good opponents in his half of the draw as well, but he is clearly the favourite to reach the final. And yet he's got to get past this big bloke. <laughs> are there parallels not in the style of play of the opponents but parallel situational parallels between where Sitsipas finds himself in this match or ahead of this match going into this match and where Sabalenka found herself going into the Pavlyuchenkova match earlier on today Pavlyuchenkova the perennial Grand Slam quarter finalist the woman who Matt I'm going to spoiler your stat just this once to make non-subscribers to the newsletter realise exactly what they're missing out on. In fact, I'm going to let you spoiler it for them. Give us the Pavlyuchenkova stat. Okay, I will spoil the first half of my stat, which is that she has beaten 37 top 10 players in her career despite never being ranked in the top 10 herself. That is a stunner of it. I mean, mm. I, I, you told me about that about four hours ago, and even now I'm still <laughs> taken aback when you actually say it out loud. What you will discover in the newsletter is whether that's a record or not. Oh, the drama. <laughs> Sign up. A <laughs> lot, of, lot of unexpected jeopardy in this pod, isn't there? Mm. Um, yeah, so in terms of the sort of playing the test and roadblock figure mm. en route to an expected first Grand Slam final, Pavlyuchenkova and Isna. Am I stretching this too far? They're kind of playing oh, similar, like similar roles you. today. And Arena Sabalenka failed the test. And we were talk when we were talking about that the other day, that they were in a similar situation were we talking about that sabalenka and Sitsipas in terms it's of all the blurb you know, a, a blur but it sounds entirely plausible that yeah. we were yeah but, um, but that Sitsipas is reliable and we are yet to find out if sabalenka is reliable and today i don't know i mean she showed that she is not up to it at the moment mm. yeah i think look i think largely this match was Grimly familiar experience, and that was Arena Sabalenka not able to produce her best in a Grand Slam. I think there were two important factors. One, we've talked about the opponent, Pavlyuchenkova, bit of a nightmare opponent. She played very, very well. I think the other one is the conditions. I don't think Sabalenka wanted to wake up on a damp, colder day in France where it had been raining overnight. And it was a struggle for her to hit through that court. She could hit through it. She did for the first three games. For the first three games, she did. Extraordinarily well. Mm, but... She just came out and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Pavlyuchenkova irrelevant. I'm going to make mm. her skills irrelevant. I'm just going to I... make it all about me and take the racket out of her hand. And it was great. But keeping that up was going to be difficult when she wasn't getting the boosters from the conditions like she had in Madrid, for example. And, mm. you know... She almost overplays and the errors can come pouring out. I think 17 unforced errors in the final set. I mean, she basically handed it to Pavlyuchenkova, a six-love set. Most this, of the points were Sabalenka unforced errors. Is there any excuse for that? 
a six love deciding set. I mean, that's a look. Pavlichenko is good. That stat speaks for itself. She is, she's the roadblock figure that anybody can struggle against. Should Arena Sabalenka, the Madrid champion, be losing a six love deciding set no, to her? No way, no way. Uh, and I, I think I think Matt's quite right about the conditions because I think one of the differences is when you hear a coach talk about a situation like that. I, I always, as a co-commentator, for instance, I always say, what should they be doing right now? What should Sabalenka be doing? And all the former players and the coaches say, bring their margins in a bit. And the difference is, in Madrid, you can bring your margins in and you can still hit winners because it's quick. Here, you've got to be hitting lines more. And she wasn't hitting lines and she was refusing to compromise. But that's mentality, isn't it? Don't you think the fact that those conditions were as they were got into her head. I mean, do you think Rafael Nadal enjoyed the conditions for a single day of last year's French Open played in three degrees in October? Not one bit. They were a nightmare for him, you know, relatively on the Roland Garros condition scale. You've just got to get over it. If you've got Grand Slam final title ambitions, you've just got to get over it. Too harsh? No, I think it's fair. I think but, you know, there's such a big difference between Nadal and Zabalenko. And, you know, Nadal's been there, done it, accepts things like that. And Zabalenko is is still figuring that out. Um, uh, you know, patience is not her best quality on a tennis court. And it felt like today was a, a day for patience and building those points. And she didn't have it. Um, and Can't it was, always go perfectly. No. She... Needs and it, and to it, go it was perfectly. such a strange experience to watch it because it was it was happening simultaneously really slowly because it was painful, but also really quickly because there seemed to be no stopping the momentum going away from her in that final set. It was it was a strange match for mm. sure. She she didn't come to press afterwards, Sabalenka. I waited and I waited and I waited for her name to pop up on the group chat. I, I don't. I don't know why, um, but uh, yeah, I, I I worry that I worry about how hard this will hit her. I worry about the scar tissue that that this will cause. Frankly, I know she's had Grand Slam losses before when she's been hotly tipped by me. To reach, to reach the final, <laughs> well, I'm, sh- I'm sure the pressure of my predictions weighed heavily on her shoulders. Um, but I just feel like this this one's different. I just feel like this was her moment, possibly not her only moment. But yeah, I I I, I do worry a, a bit about this one. I mean, I, mm. I I think she's never been in such good form directly going into a slam so many of her best previous weeks have been in the end of the season haven't they Mm. where the where the season stopped and then we've come in fresh to the Australian Open she hasn't quite had it um but this one she was bang in form I think that's why this one feels different to me so it was it was all going pretty badly for for Belarus until Victoria Azarenka stepped up out onto the Philippe Chatrier court against 23rd seed Madison Keys. 6-2, 6-2 for Azarenka. Her first fourth round at the French Open since, I think, 2013. I mean, for me, this has come from nowhere from Azarenka. I love to see it, but it's a real bolt from the blue on the on the clay it's uh, it's also uh, becoming a bit of her thing isn't it the ball yeah, from the blue yeah well absolutely mm. Mm. why is that i think it's because she's such a seasoned pro and actually she doesn't need loads of warm up i think she's just i think for a start her her strokes are just really compact and they kind of just work straight out the box i don't think she needs to do much to to groove them um and because she's so experienced and she doesn't panic she just knows exactly what she is so she can bring it as long as she is fully fit and when she gets out there i mean you're right though on clay there isn't a great deal of success to fall back on 
even long term compared i always thought she'd do better on clay than she has done in her career but when you looked at these conditions today damp mm. and dank and you look at madison keys and you think well she is not going to keep the ball sufficiently in the court uh, against this woman with power to overpower her in the way that she might on a fast court on a good day and mm. um, i know she fought hard i did see some of it and i thought Keys was fighting hard. She just couldn't get nearer. Mm, conditions were a big factor today. It today it was, it was miserable in Paris and in London. I don't know what it was like up in sunny Hol- Solihull, David. But oh, it was lovely here. It was obviously apocalyptic here. Yeah, no problems <laughs> Truly like that here. miserable. Uh, so Azarenka will play Pavlyuchenkova in the fourth round, and we are now one match away, or one round away, perhaps two matches away from Serena Williams against Victoria Azarenka. Um, standing in the way of that is, of course, Pavlyuchenkova and Elena Rabakina, who beat Elena Vesnina today and will be the next opponent of Serena Williams, who, this is a long sentence, beat Danielle Collins 6-4, 6-4. Routine, you might say, at the site of that scoreline. Well, it was anything but, I think. She was 4-1 down in that second set and actually serving 1-4 and in in trouble uh, on serve. I don't think she was quite break point down, but certainly in trouble. She had that pained expression on her face and she ended up winning five games in a row to win that match. It was a, a very much in vogue surge from Serena Williams and she was flipping delighted with that win today, wasn't she? Absolutely delighted. It was, I'm trying to work out whether, it wasn't, a, I really enjoyed the match. It wasn't a disappointment. I loved the energy of the match. The the mutual respect, the sort of game meets game energy, just pinging off the court. You could feel it. You could feel how much they just got one another. And I don't think Serena feels that way about many people on the tennis court. And I, I just loved that. And there was a kind of, you know, nothing's personal here. Anything goes and it'll all be all right afterwards because I get yeah. it. Nothing's personal in the act of war. Um, so I loved that. I I did want a third set of it. I, th- I felt like if it had gone to a third set, it really would have caught fire. But Serena did not want a third set because she knew how dangerous Danielle Collins was and she just, found those gears really found the gears and just doing what Catherine because I I went out for the second set to play (laughs) football with my son so I didn't get to watch that I felt like what did she do she she improved the return considerably um and made Danielle Collins feel shaky on serve as a result I think there were some double faults at inopportune times from Danielle Collins but as is so often the case you know the the threat that Serena was posing you know looming on the return I think is is so much responsible for that and frankly cut out a lot of the errors there were a lot of errors um in the early stages of of that second set some quite wild errors actually where she she looked completely off balance and and thrown she did come out into the court with considerable uh, strapping on one of her thighs um which is obviously a worry to look at, but she, I don't think, looked too hampered today in her movement. Matt, what did you think? I agree. I don't think it was a match which really tested the movement. You know, a lot of the rallies were quite up and down and big hitting. She did get up quite well to a couple of drop shots, and I thought she finished a few points at the net pretty nicely, particularly in the first set. Um I think that ability to ground herself and reset in the second set is is something that's very underrated. I mean, there's there's a lot of players. We've just talked about one of them, Sabalenka, who can can struggle to get a match back in control when it's running away from them. And Serena was asked in press specifically about that moment, and she said, "I just needed to find me. I needed to find who I am." Nobody else is Serena out there. It's just me. And I think she has an ability to sort of stop and think, right, okay, I'm Serena. 
this is on my racket. I need to play. And it's like she slows everything down. And I think one of the big factors in that is her serve. She, she can rely on that so many times to find the right spots, get the free points. And that sort of match understanding, I think, is is quite underrated. But it's it's definitely definitely a quality that she has. And that, for me, was what got her through those final five games. Also, an unparalleled ability to speak in the third person. <laughs> and get away with it. And get and get away with it. No one else comes close. I'm not sure many others, or I hope not many others, would even attempt. I remember when Tiger Woods was the President's Cup captain a couple of years ago. He was announcing his picks. This is in golf, obviously. And he said, and my third pick is Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> And he got away with that. Yeah. Serena's one of the few who I don't roll my eyes at when they do it. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have a certain status, don't you? So we've got Serena against Rabatkina and we've got Azarenka against Pavlyuchenkova. Those are the two uh, round of 16 matches in the top half of the bottom half. Third quarter, you might call it, if you were being sensible. So what about the other two matches in the bottom of half of the draw? We've got Tamara Zdancek against Sarana Kostea. Zdancek beat Katarina Siniakova. Love six, seven, six, six, two, which is such a tennis score line. I love it. Uh, and Kostea beat Dari Kazakina six, three, Six two, which I didn't see any of, I must say, but it's a classic sort of. We spent ten minutes getting excited about Kazakina two days ago, so <laughs> so of course she's lost very one sidedly today. Mm. That that's why this happened. It's the universe again. Your <laughs> time. Um, it's nice for Serena Castella, though, isn't it? I mean, she's been plugging away, I think plugging it's away for so long, having been a sort of hotly tipped youngster that, you know, has has always been a really creditable pro, but never had big results at slams. This is, yeah, she's she was given a bit of an opening in this draw and she's grabbed it by, by, the, by the bootstraps. Yeah, Catherine, yeah. that'll do. Um, I mean, I tell you what, I would <laughs> love if we get chance at some point, if she would have win, who she got next, did you say? She's got Zidansek, who beat Sinyaka there, yeah. I, would, I mean, I think Zidansek will be an interesting player to get to know if she wins as well. I, I, I actually have enjoyed today because we've had people kind of really just come come forward and, and, mm. and announce themselves on the stage. But I'd love with Kostea to ask her where this has come from because it's not isolated, is it? She's had six or eight months now where she's been getting notable results. I've no I mean she's beaten Joe Conta two or three times in the last year. And if you go back two or three years ago when they played in the Fed Cup, she was she was really comprehensively beaten by Conta in Romania. It feels to me like Costea has just had this resurgence to her career. And I don't know whether it's a, a technical element or whether it's confidence or what, but as you say, I mean, it's a long, long time since she was the bright young thing of the tour and one of a group that you thought might do stuff. And then she just disappeared completely, really. Mm, she was part of a little movement. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is this is big for her. And uh, all due respect for, to, to Zidansek, a massive opportunity to reach a French Open quarterfinal. Um, as it is for Marketa Vondrosheva, who's, of course, already been in a French Open quarterfinal. She won three today, 6-3, 6-3 against Polona Herzog to reach the round of 16. And she will face there Paula Bedosa, who beat Anna Bogdan 2-6, 7-6, 6-4. A match that David described himself as having gorged on (laughs) earlier on this evening. Tell us about your feast, David. I so did not expect that to be the case when I first watched a single point of it. Um, <laughs> the, the WhatsApp chat was, can somebody do a load of research on Anna Bogdan? We, I need to know more about her now. I need to know more about Anna Bogdan. Oh, my God, that backhand. Oh, my God. I want Anna Bogdan's backhand. Where has this come from? Why have we not done a whole podcast about her? What about Anna Bogdan relived? <laughs> 
that those were the vibes. <laughs> Isn't that the best yeah. though? When you oh yeah, absolutely stumble across a player and they just yeah. take you away. So I, I joined this match. Uh, I was just about to start cooking the dinner, and she's won the first set six two against Paula Badosa, who you know we've talked about quite a bit over the last few months and. It seems to me that it almost started when poor old Paola Bedoso ended up in that awful quarantine situation in Australia and she had the worst experience of everybody, didn't she, in that in that sort of hotel room prison experience. Um, and then we start to notice her results because they were becoming significant over the last few months, particularly on clay. And uh, so she comes into this, this match. We've looked at her section of the draw, Bedoso, and we've, I think most people have thought her or Vondrosova are going to end up in a semi-final of a Grand Slam here because it's it's open and they're the form players. To me, I came in thinking Bogdan is an opponent, quite honestly, and I think she's ranked outside the, the world's top 100. I knew very little about her, yet she's got this first set on the board. So I, I, I watched one point early on in the second set, and it was this sledgehammer backhand cross-court from from. Bogdan off a full-blooded Bedosa forehand and I was I was hooked right then and there the purity of this strike on the backhand side and I'm thinking crikey that takes some talent you you know you've got to be seeing the ball like a football to hit that for a winner and thereafter I mean the poor old kids had to wait a while for the dinner I'm telling you because <laughs> I was I couldn't stop concentrating on the iPad and watching point after point every point felt like an epic and i think if you if you put it in these terms it was very nearly a straight sets win for bogdan she had match point and i think in the second set and yet to me it was the match of the tournament even then and that was based on one set really it was that good and and I think if you, you if you spoke to Hannah who was doing our Twitter, she'd agree it was just one of those sets that just was intoxicating because every point seemed to be finished on a winner, and they were all long rallies finished by one superb shot. And the the match point that uh, uh, Bedosa saved, I mean she saves she was saving that and break points saving them with winners, and it was a joyous match. And the third set. It, I don't know. I felt like my mum, who always says it's just a shame somebody's got to lose, and that's how it felt. And Bogdan, I mean, she's not very tall. Bogdan, she's she's quite diminutive and super fit, super tenacious, running everything down, but also with great quality of of stroke play. And I couldn't believe my eyes when I looked her up and realised she's twenty eight years of age and she's never been higher than 59 in the world and she's ranked outside the top 100. I mean, this was just such high quality. And Bedosa won the second set, did a Vavrinka index finger to the temple celebration and really showed what she's all about. Uh, brilliant match. Absolutely wonderful. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Does that mean then that we got the two matches of the tournament so far today? Matt's nodding. Tell us about the other one, Matt. The other one was Alejandro Davidovich Fakina beating Kaspar Ruud. And check out this for a score. 7-6, 2-6, 7-6, love 6, 7-5. He just took two sets (laughs) off. (laughs) (laughs) He did take that four set off, didn't he? Game game management, Yeah, and, and he basically admitted as much. And... I think it really tells you everything you need to know about Davidovich Fakina, that scoreline. He is a player who is increasingly becoming relevant, increasingly becoming good when it matters, but he's also still prone to some real lapses, like those two sets that he lost. Um, Yeah, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Up until a few weeks ago, I, I knew Davidovich Fakina from highlights reels. You know, I'd seen him underarm serving, more on that in a minute. I'd seen him do sort of crazy dives across the court, all of that sort of stuff. But over this clay court season, I've really been tracking him and watching him. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that he's, I don't know, men's tennis's best kept secret or something. I feel like people know him, but he's not that well known. And he has got such an exciting game. He is supremely talented. He's a junior Wimbledon champion. Is he? Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah, he won it in 2017. But I think he, he is probably most comfortable on clay, like like lots of Spaniards. And he's just got a game which draws me in. The intensity of it, the audacity of it. He can, he can kind of do everything. Um, and he comes into this match today against Rude. And I, honestly, I would have thought he would test Rude but not beat him. Rude just felt too solid, too informed, too good. But even from the early stages, Davidovich Fakina was sort of punching holes in those defences and there was a sense that he could that he could really do something. And it was on court 14, cracking atmosphere, and they were loving his tennis, you know, chanting his name kind of throughout the match. Anyway, it all reached a crescendo at the end of the fifth set after they'd had a rain delay into the fifth set, five all, Rude serving, Davidovich Fakina breaks in with an unbelievable backhand winner, which Hannah said on Twitter deserved a standing ovation, and it really did. And then this final game was just everything that's great about tennis. You know, someone struggling to get over the line of a breakthrough win, and he had five match points in total, Davidovich Fakina. One of them, Rude, threw up a lob, Landed on the baseline. Fakina circled the mark, thinking it was out. The umpire came over and said, "No, no, it's in." Back I to love use. That when they confidently circle a mark, <laughs> it's a great, isn't it? <laughs> even, <laughs> um, even though it clearly shows that. And the umpire does that walk around the other side of the mark <laughs> yeah, and just you check know the other angle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were two forehand sort of choky misses from the Vidovich Fakina. You could see the stress on him. Um, and then Rude worked his way to a break point and Davidovich Fakina, 6-5 in the fifth set after four and a half hours, break point down, hit an underarm serve. Feed it into my veins. <laughs> and the camera couldn't keep up with it. The camera was focused on Rude who's preparing to return and then you suddenly see Rude go, oh! <laughs> just go hurtling <laughs> off towards the net. <laughs> Out of shots. Magnificent. And he hit it into the net. And and there was a bit of a mixed reaction. There was a little bit of booing in the crowd. And then there were those oh, who just get over it. it. Yeah, if get you're booing over an yourselves. underarm serve at 6-5 in the fifth. You need to look in the mirror. Yeah, go home. Um, <laughs> anyway, eventually Davidovich Fakina won Paid it. Paid for the tickets. <laughs> 
And yeah, I just think I just thought it was a fantastic, fantastic match. And he is an interesting guy. Um, Tell us why, Matt. Let's, let's do a little fact file on the Vidovich Fakina. Number one, he wears odd socks. Fabulous. Can't explain it, but I like Deliberately. it. Deliberately, I think so. Every time I've seen him play, he's got one white sock on and one black sock. Great. That's quite a trademark, isn't it? He works with a marathon runner. Mm, a former well, world champion. Yeah, a former world champion in in marathon running. I think 1995 world champion, yeah. Martin Fizz. Mm. And he's a, I think he's quite a big deal in Spain. All the Spanish journalists in, in his press conference were sort of quizzing him on that relationship. And he said it's much more psychological and mental than it is physical. You know, all the strategy of a marathon is kind of similar to the strategy of a five-set tennis match, pacing yourself. Yeah, um, I have some quotes from Fizz. Uh, this is from the ATP website. He says, every training session we do together for him is a competition. He's a winner. He even likes winning in cards, but you have to win matches from start to finish. I'm the link between his psychologist and his fitness coach. But fundamentally, I focus on the psychological side because I come from a tough sport where you have to work hard, where there are ups and downs, and that's what I try to s- transmit to Alex. And that scoreline mm. definitely suggests marathon runner mentality, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. Uh, so I find that fascinating about him. He's He spends a lot of his time training on the beach, and you can really tell he's got these tree trunk legs, and he's extremely powerful in that way, I think. Um what else? Is his birthday tomorrow? I found out that about him. Um, I asked him about his underarms. How old is he? Um, young. I think he might be 22 or 23 tomorrow. Right. I asked him about his underarm serve, what was going through his mind, and he said nothing. Don't and believe it. Don't no, believe it for a second. I totally believe it. It's the David Foster Wallace thing. Don't think. Oh, man. So it's just total, totally random that it happens at break point at 6-5. He said, I, didn't, I wasn't planning it at all. Just do it. I think it was a yeah. total well, spontaneous... Well, exactly. So you're thinking, just do it. That's a thought. No, but it was, it's a split-second okay. thing. Yeah, it's a split-second. Right, okay. It's not, yeah, but it's it's, not that's planned. still a thought. Okay, well, I mean... Rather than just sort of the suggestion you're on autopilot and your, your no, but it s- synapses and sinews just... It, it was so spontaneous that it was on autopilot. Mm, okay, maybe That's maybe cool. we're saying the same thing in in different terms. He's uh, he's twenty two tomorrow, by the right. way. And then the final thing, saving the best till last, is that he has set up in the last year his own pet adoption platform mm. in Spain called Adoptas, which is just wonderful. Strongly uh, encourage everyone to visit the website. Yes. And, it is lovely, isn't um, it? So, it's ju- I mean, I'm going to have to stop myself because I could do a whole podcast about it, but it is so much loveliness. Mm. And he, he, has a, he has a patch for it, doesn't he, on his kit? Mm. And I asked him about that and, you know, I was asking him all the important questions, underarm serve and pet adoption agency. Mm. Um, and he said Spain has so many abandoned animals, you know, the worst rate of abandonment in Europe. And it just breaks his heart whenever he sees a video and he decided he wanted to do something about it. Oh, just amazing. Okay, we'll, we'll only be talking about Alejandro Davidovich <laughs> Fakina on this podcast from now on. All other agenda items are cancelled, mm-hmm. if that's Can okay. Can I just say, I feel like I have massively underestimated him as a tennis player in the last year or two. Uh, since I first heard about him, I think the first time I ever saw him was jumping horizontally across the court, diving for a ball and bloodying his knees. Mm. And I, and it was really fun and really spectacular. And I was watching him do underarm serves in that match, I think, as well. And and I was I was highly entertained. But honestly, I thought it's like watching a bit of a circus act, this. It doesn't feel like a real tennis player. It feels like somebody's almost trying to bluff his way to winning and and he didn't win the match, but he looked talented. But I just thought, how focused is he? And I really feel quite bad about that because he is clearly gritty and has dug himself into a career mm. and mm. is producing behind it. And 
He's way – and also I think because he's blonde and he's a blonde Spanish tennis player, I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't think of Spanish te- people being blonde. Well, he's got a, I don't know why, he, he's got a Swedish father and a Russian mother, I believe. Yeah. No, I was surprised, Catherine, mm. when, when I found out Bedosa was blonde. I did not expect that for some reason. <laughs> David, David's been on a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, and, he, and he's, done it, he's done it all kind of without being part of a movement, hasn't he? I mean, if there had been, you know, but I'm sure there were next-gen posters. He wasn't on any of them. Well, he he was at. I think he was at a next gen finals. Mm, but yes. you know, but he was, was just there. He was on the fringes. Yeah. yeah, you know, he wasn't one of the ones that the ATP were no. were pushing as part of the movement. Hey, hey, hey! This is you know why the t- future of tennis is looking so bright because of because of this fella. Nobody was saying that about him. He's got a fantastic opportunity now. Uh, with all due respect to Federico Del Bonis, who's very much having a moment. Um, in his career, but it is Del Bonis that Davidovich Fakina will face uh, for a place in the quarterfinals. Del Bonis having utterly trounced Fabio Fanini, and if we could go back and edit out everything I said about Fanini in the last podcast, I would very <laughs> happily do that. He's let me down gravely today. Catherine, if we're going to start going and doctoring oh. the archive, we're going to be here all bloody <laughs> lifetime. Uh, below them in the men's draw, we've got Pablo Carreña Busta, who won through in straight sets against Steve Johnson today. He awaits the winner of this match that we're watching between Sitsipas and Isner. Sitsipas has taken the third set on a tie break. Uh, he has a break in the fourth set as well. So people that were hoping for an addendum to this podcast might well <laughs> be disappointed uh, by the looks of things at the moment. And then at the bottom of the draw, it's going to be Christian Garin who won in four sets against today against Marcos Giron, and he will take on second seed and hustler extraordinaire Daniil Medvedev, who has been trolling us all this time, hasn't he, about <laughs> how he hates the clay, how it's only fit for dogs, and oh, right, okay, he's now a superstar on clay. What's, what's the truth of the matter here? Is he just, has he just figured it out? Has he, is it been sort of a series of unfortunate events up until this point? Has he just had substandard opposition? What, what, what is going on with Daniil Medvedev and his relationship with Clay? Someone explain it to me. Figured it out and attitude has improved. And he's in, and he's in decent form now. He's a bloody good tennis player. So, There's no so, reason why he shouldn't be able to play on it. So if he's figured it out, what's he doing differently? I think I think a lot of it when you are like him is just accepting your own game and accepting the cir- surface and not trying to overly adapt. Yes, maybe need to slide, but in terms of his his ball trajectory is not going to change really. This is how he hits a tennis ball, but it can be effective. He is so fit, he is so flexible in defence. He's so difficult to get through that if he's playing well, if he's striking the ball cleanly, there's no reason why he can't be a good player on the surface. We've seen plenty of players who have been able to do it. We've just been lured in, haven't we, by his back chat. <laughs> we, mu- we must not get lured in in future. Who's I, the f- he's been lured in. When I was live tweeting the draw last week, I was doing those projected mm. quarterfinals or whatever. I put a smiley face emoji next to Medvedev in the quarterfinals. <laughs> That's how lured in I was by his mind games. I mean, he is, he's looking great. He, he broke yeah. a Pelka five times today. Didn't he out-ace him? And he out-aced him, and he's so pleased with himself about that, <laughs> so, which is a great achievement. Was Pelka also not very good? Apelka didn't enjoy the conditions today. But then, as Medvedev said in press, look, I didn't like them either. He said, cold, (laughs) damp day on clay is my worst nightmare. He said, luckily, Apelka seemed to like it even less than me. Mm. I mean, yeah, but still, still, I think he, he shouldn't be getting broken five times in three sets, possibly ever, Apelka. I don't know. No, that that shouldn't really be happening. I agree. No. Um, but anyway, Medvedev is through. He'll face Christian Garin. Who is the favourite 
in that match? Is it Medvedev. the second seed? Or is it the very much informed clay court specialist, Christian Garin? I feel strongly that Medvedev's the favourite now. David? Yep. Yep. Agreed. Oh, right. No debate. I, I mean, I think I agree. I'm not sure I would have said it quite as definitively as that, but I'll I'll absolutely take it. Uh, I've said that, and I've actually got Garin in the blooming court of finals in my prediction. Remember so the laughing face emoji. <laughs> uh, right then, Sitsapas is 3-1-30, love. Isna looks like he might be a little bit spent. So Sitsapas against Karenia Buster is what I'm confidently predicting is going to be the final uh, round of 16 match from the bottom half of the draw. I will take you through tomorrow's schedule in a moment. But first, one f- final bit of news from today Um which was the the quite extraordinary breaking news story sort of midway through the day that Russian tennis player Yana Sizikova was arrested at the French Open today as part of a match-fixing investigation. The world number 765 was knocked out of the women's doubles on Thursday. She was partnering Ekaterina Alexandrova. She had previously been under investigation for possible match-fixing. Um... My understanding is that this is a it it's a spot betting situation. So what's in question is a particular break of the Sizikova serve, uh, in which she served a couple of a couple of double faults. Um so the this from a piece in the Telegraph on Thursday, the arrest is understood to have taken place as Sizikova was leaving her massage session in the player complex at Roland Garros after a first-round de- defeat. Sizikova was playing with a different teammate this year, compatriot Ad- Katerina Alexandrova. Um, they had just lost 6-1, 6-1 to the Australian duo of Storm, Storm Sanders and Isla Tomljanovic. The Parisian Le Parisian also reported that the police had searched Sizikova's hotel room and that a member of tournament staff had tried to prevent the arrest from taking place. The local prosecutor's office later confirmed that the arrest had been made in connection with alleged sports corruption and organised gang fraud. So if we get any more on that, we will let you know. It seems that the match in question was actually a match that took place last year um, when Sizikova was partnering American Madison Brengel. Um, So, yeah, a, a, a quagmire of sort of tawdry... Um, potential goings on. But uh, yeah, that's where we're at with that situation at the moment. Uh, We'll keep you posted as the French Open drama unfolds. Uh, We also had the news today uh, outside of French Open happenings that the Swiss indoors tournament in Basel won't go ahead in 2021. Scheduled to take place uh, from the 25th to the 31st of October. Well, it won't take place this year due to challenges related to COVID-19. Um, there are also reports that the the China swing um, on the WTA tour might be under threat. I'm not sure how substantiated those reports are, but it's all going to be quite interesting, that section of the calendar, isn't it, now that we know that Indian Wells is definitely mm. slated to take place uh, in October. So what about tomorrow's schedule. Well, it starts with Barbora Krachikova against Alina Svitolina. First off on Chatre, David has picked a Krachikova win. Uh, then it's Djokovic against... Sorry, Barbora. <laughs> uh, then it's Djokovic against Barankis. Absolutely nobody has picked a Barankis win. Um, Contivate against Sviontek follows that, not before 4pm. And then the night session will be Roger Federer playing in front of an empty stadium for the very first time, taking on German Dominic Kupfer. Then on Court Suzanne Longlin, it is Philip Kohlschreiber against Diego Schwartzman. Then Sophia Kennan against Jessica Pagula. Then it's Nadal out on Longlin, taking on Cameron Norrie. Uh, and then it's Coco Goff against Jennifer Brady. Courtsima Mature is where you'll find Sloane Stevens against Carolina Mukura. Carlos Alcaraz against Jan Leonard Struff. Alcaraz is the favourite going into that match, the favourite to reach 
the second week of a Grand Slam, having turned 18 uh, three weeks or so ago. Then it's Maria Sakkari against Lisa Mertens and Matteo Berrettini against Sunwoo Kwon. So that's tomorrow. Uh, I think we're pretty much done with today, apart from shout-outs. I'm pretty confident at 4-1 and two break points on the Isna serve that Sitsipas is going to come through this one. So uh, no addendum, folks. But we do have a mascot. Uh, we got lovely Phoebe, uh, the Corgi. We love Phoebe. Uh, we have our own mascots. I've got Zeus. We won't talk about today, Zeus. David's got uh, Rogue and Matt's got Scales and Mouse. Billy Jean's got Billy Jean King. And she's she's been quiet today for once. Thank you very much, Billy Jean. Uh, we have got our executive producer, Chris Albert Lee. Thank you, Chris. Uh, or Chris Albert. Never quite sure about that. I think just Chris. Um, but... Possibly Chris Albert. Um, and we've got shout-outs, Matt. Who are they for? Isabel Watson. All right, Isabel. Hello, Isabel. Possible relation of Heather Watson, although quite a common surname <laughs> in the UK anyway. Indeed. Thanks very much for your support. Thank you, Isabel. We've got Sarah Leah. Or Leah. Sarah Leah. Hello, Sarah. Got a good what friend called Sarah. In fact, my oldest friend is called Sarah. <laughs> oh. Mm. Yep. What do you know? Yep. Thanks very much for your support, Sarah. If you are Catherine's friend... <laughs> well, no, because it's a different surname, David. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks. <laughs> and, and finally... Well, speaking of friends, we've got friend of the pod and owner of the first ever tennis podcast mascot. It is Katura. Oh, oh, hello, Katura. Magnificent. Wonderful supporter so of the pod. Much. Thank you and very much. Owner of my very own Rogue. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Your hopes, Katura, Rogue, David, rest on Barbora Krachikova tomorrow. Yeah. So Go on, Babs. Best of luck to you all. We'll be back with another French Open daily tennis podcast. Do subscribe to the newsletter. It is hot, hot stuff. Check out our shop. If you would... Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> David said, go on, Babs. <laughs> I should have just pressed on, shouldn't I? Subscribe to the <laughs> newsletter. Leave us an Apple podcast review. Uh, buy some merch from the shop. It's all great stuff. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.